Welcome to the Sex and Psychology Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Justin Miller. I am a social psychologist and research fellow at the Kinsey Institute and author of the book, Tell Me What You Want, The Science of Sexual Desire and How It Can Help You Improve Your Sex Life. When it comes to sex, everyone could benefit from a few pointers. Most of us don't receive pleasure-focused sex education, so having good or even great sex is usually something we have to figure out all on our own. In previous episodes of this show, my guests and I have shared a number of tips for having better sex, but most of them have been about changing your general approach to sex, such as expanding your definition of sex, learning how to communicate what you want, and building up your sexual self-confidence. All of these things are super important, but I want to take it a step further today and talk about some of the finer details. We're going to explore how you can get even more pleasure from several specific sexual activities. From masturbation, to oral sex, to intercourse, to kink, we're going to talk about what you really need to know and how to get the most enjoyment possible from them. I am joined by Dr. Emily Jamia, an ASEC certified sex therapist based in Houston, Texas. Emily is also a sex educator and researcher. She does it all, and she is a wealth of information. This conversation is going to be a lot of fun, and it's going to give you the sex ed you never got in school. Stick around, and we'll jump in right after the break. Take self-pleasure to the next level with The Handy. Designed by Norwegian company SweetTech, The Handy is a motorized stroker that is compatible with a wide range of sleeves that mimic the sensations of different sexual activities. Try it with solo play or allow a partner to control it remotely via Wi-Fi from anywhere in the world. The Handy allows you to stay intimately connected with the partner even when you can't physically be together. The Handy offers up to 10 strokes per second at top speed, it can be synced with video, and the device is customizable to your body and needs. To get your hands on The Handy, find the link in the show notes or visit thehandy.com and be sure to use my exclusive discount code SEXANDPSYCH to get 10% off your purchase. Again, that's thehandy.com. Our friends at Promescent have everything you need for amazing sex, including their signature delay spray, which has been clinically shown to help men last longer in bed. Check it out and see why it has thousands of five-star reviews and why more than 2,000 medical professionals recommend it. Promescent offers a 60-day money-back guarantee on all orders, free shipping on orders over $10, and discreet packaging to guarantee privacy. Learn more and place your order at promescent.com. That's P-R-O-M-E-S-C-E-N-T.com. Let's talk about tips for better, more satisfying sex, Emily. I'd like to focus our conversation on things that I haven't yet covered extensively on the show before. Now, if you're a longtime listener, you know all about the importance of things like sexual communication, building up your sexual self-confidence, using sex toys, and the power of introducing novelty in the bedroom. And all of those things are great and important, but we've only scratched the surface when it comes to sex tips. So today, I want to dive into some specific sexual activities and talk about how you can get even more pleasure from them, or if you're not finding them to be pleasurable in the first place, how you can make them more enjoyable. So we're going to talk about a lot of partnered activities, but let's start with solo sex. So a lot of people masturbate in the exact same way every time they do it. And this way often mirrors how they did it the first time they masturbated. And this makes sense because they know that it works. But if you've only ever masturbated in one way, you might be missing out. And there can be a lot of value in self-exploration through masturbation because you can potentially unlock or discover new sources of pleasure. 
So Emily, what do you suggest for people when it comes to getting more pleasure out of masturbation, especially if they're somebody who has only ever done it in one way before? Yeah, I think that's a great place to start because let me tell you, nobody on the planet is going to touch you exactly the way that you touch yourself. I mean, especially, I think this is especially true for women. There are so many little micro adjustments that are being made, you know, in a millisecond that a partner is never going to be able to replicate ever. Your vibrator may come pretty close, but you know, if, if we're taking that out of the equation, I think what I always do is encourage women to explore their whole bodies. I mean, we, our bodies are filled with erogenous zones. And, you know, a lot of times when people masturbate, like you said, they find what works and that's what they go to every single time. But if you view masturbation, not just as an opportunity to get off or relieve stress or help yourself fall asleep and more as an opportunity to learn your body, I think that there is so much more pleasure to be found. I mean, the whole body is loaded with nerve endings. I think a lot of people feel almost awkward with the idea of kind of massaging themselves from head to toe. But I think when you can get over that hump and, you know, release some of the inhibitions, you'll find that you're actually doing a lot to build arousal and that you probably don't have to touch yourself, you know, on your genitals very long at all in order to have an orgasm. Um, And so I think it's useful because then you know what, you can you can then communicate to your partner what also feels good to you rather than relying on them 100% to to explore you. And I think you make such a great point about how the sensations that you might get during solo masturbation can be totally different from the sensations you're getting during partnered sex and if you're used to orgasming from the way that you masturbate and you're expecting to have an orgasm during partnered sex but you're not getting that same stimulation that can make it hard to have an orgasm. And, you know, I think there's a lot of people who tend to think that, you know, everybody with a certain set of genitals, that they all masturbate the same way. So for example, if you have a penis that you necessarily engage in a stroking motion, but if you survey men about their masturbation techniques and habits, you'll actually see wide variability in how they do it. And for example, some people, instead of stroking, they do rubbing. And some people focus on one specific area of the penis. Maybe they're head or glands is super sensitive and so that's where they focus all of the attention and maybe they've got props and maybe they've got porn and you know there's so much variability in terms of how people approach this and so something you can potentially do is when you're masturbating to try and explore different techniques that are going to more closely mimic the sensations that you're getting during partnered sex especially if you're having a hard time orgasming during partnered sex so mixing it up trying new things during masturbation can actually help you to have better sex and maybe even be more orgasmic when you're with a partner. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, especially for my clients who are penis owners, you know, who are having issues climaxing during intercourse or during partnered sex. I mean, what the first thing I tell them is to switch up the way that they masturbate. You know, if they're always dependent on, you know, just their hand and the tube of lotion on their nightstand to get a flashlight or to do a little bit of the stop start technique so that they can build awareness of when they're approaching that point of no return or even let themselves lose their erection and then do what they need to do to bring it back because that might happen during partnered sex. And you can't let the loss of an erection totally derail you from your experience of pleasure because there's so much more that goes into it. Um, And the same goes for women. You know, if they typically just 
for vulva owners, if they always touch themselves the exact same way, but maybe they have a partner who really likes exploring their breast and incorporating that, then I say, spend more time touching your breast. I mean, and, and see what it feels like to turn yourself on in the same way. It's all about collaboration at the end of the day. It absolutely is. Now let's talk about oral sex. I tend to get annoyed when I read articles about oral sex tips because many of them act like all genitals of the same type are interchangeable and that there's like this one specific magic formula that's going to work for everyone in terms of having mind-blowing oral sex. But that's just not the case. You know, everybody's body is a little bit different in terms of the areas that are most sensitive and what feels good. You also have variability across partners in terms of genital fit. So for example, the size of the mouth and then the size and shape of the genitals that they're stimulating, you know, everybody's body isn't going to line up in the same exact way. So one of my best tips for oral sex is to not just repeat the same pattern every time with every partner. You have to mix up your technique, just like as we were talking about with masturbation, but also adapt to what brings your partner pleasure. So Emily, can you share with us some of your favorite tips on how to have better oral sex? Yeah, I would say one of my best tips for better oral sex is to not become overly dependent on your mouth. Now, that may sound very counterintuitive because we're talking about oral sex, but the more you incorporate your hands or other parts of the body, or if you stop and take a break and just use your hands and then come back to using your mouth, that can be really exciting and stimulating for people. You know, I think that so many of us draw our ideas of what people want during oral sex from porn or what they read in a magazine, but that's not what feels good to a lot of people. So, you know, you can read every sex tip out there. Your partner is your best manual. And so you have to talk to them about what feels good. Now, a lot of times people don't really know what feels good. You don't know what you don't know. And so that's where having the freedom and confidence to explore and be a little bit experimental comes into play. You know, if you are giving oral sex to someone who's a penis owner, see how they like it when you also include your hand and massage the base of the penis, or if you stimulate their testicles, or maybe you reach around back and include a little anal play. I mean, a lot of times it's a combination of sensations that really intensifies the pleasure. But I think people have this idea that oral sex is just oral and like everything else is not a part of the equation. Um, But I think that people find if they incorporate a little bit more of their body that it can definitely intensify the pleasure. You know, and a lot of the common complaints that I hear from people about oral sex suggest this over-reliance on the mouth. They're just like, my jaw gets so tired, or my neck ends up really hurting or cramping or, or something like that. And it's like, maybe don't focus so much on the mouth and use your hands and other things. Like, there are all kinds of ways to make this something that is more mutually pleasurable. And the problem, I think, is that a lot of people will have this experience where it becomes physically uncomfortable for them to perform, and then they decide they don't like oral sex, and then that can create conflict or disagreement in the relationship because maybe the other partner does really enjoy it. And so if you can figure out a way to adapt your technique that works for you and works for your partner, you know, that's really going to be one of the keys to having great oral sex. Totally. I mean, my my clients are not allowed to use the word perform 
at all. I mean, at a very fundamental, good sex obviously is mutually consensual and it's mutually pleasurable. And to your point, if your partner really enjoys oral sex, but you A, feel like you have to perform or B, you you know get a pinched nerve in your neck every time, you're not going to want to do it. So you have to work together and chances are you can find something that feels good for both of you. And all kinds of aids you can use from pillows and different positions and get creative and try some different things. So let's talk about penile vaginal intercourse. This is a part of sex for a lot of people, but it's something that a lot of people seem to struggle with in terms of maximizing pleasure. I mean, there wouldn't be so many magazine articles out there about this if, you know, it was just so naturally easy for everyone. But one of the biggest issues that arises, of course, is that you have a lot of men who will orgasm very quickly and you will have a lot of women who maybe it takes a very long time for them to orgasm or they just don't orgasm at all. And so what are some tips on how you can make vaginal intercourse more pleasurable for everyone and increase those odds of mutual orgasm? Oh, okay. So people always forget about the coital alignment technique, which is the one of the best techniques in achieving this exact goal. So in the coital alignment technique, the penis owner is on top, the vulva owner is on bottom, and he inserts himself, but then he kind of adjusts his body so that he's a little bit higher than she is. So you can imagine like the top of her head is maybe at his shoulders so that their pubic bones are really lined up. And rather than doing kind of an in and out thrusting, which is going to bring him to orgasm more quickly, he's staying inside and doing more of a grinding. So this is going to slow down how long it takes him to reach orgasm and probably provide her with more constant clitoral stimulation externally, which is, you know, what's preferable for most women, um, and make her reach an orgasm more quickly. So it slows it down for him. It increases the speed for her, usually if she's able to climax that way. Um, Plus, you get full body contact. And so we know that skin-to-skin contact really releases a lot of oxytocin. And it's it can be a very kind of emotionally gratifying, pleasurable position for a lot of people. You can still maintain eye contact. You feel very close and that's um, important for a lot of people. And so I I think it's a position that can potentially check every box um, and is, is, you know, a great option for penis vagina intercourse. I'm so glad you brought up the coital alignment technique. You know, that was sort of the first place that my mind went as well. And you're right that people do tend to forget about it. And I think it's because it just doesn't have a very good name. Like, I think it needs a rebrand because when you say coital alignment technique, people are like, what the hell is that? It's very clinical and you have to do this kind of elaborate description of it. And I think another, you know, sort of easy way to think of it is that Basically, you're in a position where the base of the penis is going to be coming into constant contact with the clitoris and you're maintaining this penile clitoral connection the entire time. So it's just this very different way of having sex. And you can think of it as grinding or rocking as opposed to in and out thrusting. So it's it's a different approach to sex. It works for some people. The data is there that it actually increases the odds of women orgasming and also increases the odds of simultaneous orgasm happening. So it is an evidence-backed technique. But something else you can do is just mix it up and try different positions. And the positions that might work 
best for you is going to depend on your body and it's going to depend on your genital alignment. And so, for example, there's a fair amount of research finding that the distance between the clitoris and the vaginal opening is an important predictor of whether or not someone with a vulva is going to experience an orgasm during penile vaginal intercourse. And the shorter the distance is, the more likely she is to have an orgasm. And the wider the distance, the less likely she is. So if you can figure out different types of positions that are going to naturally provide more clitoral stimulation, or if you can add more clitoral stimulation through the use of sex toys or hands, then you know that's another way that you can provide that assist in cases where maybe there is that greater clitoral vaginal distance. Totally. I mean, I have so many female clients who have totally written off any rear entry positions because they feel like it's not intimate, they can't maintain eye contact. I'm like, you guys are missing out. I mean, if any rear entry position makes it so easy either for you to touch your own clitoris on the front or for your partner to reach around and stimulate your clitoris, and it can be wildly pleasurable and still incredibly intimate. I mean, I do encourage eye gazing, and I think the ability to do that can be an indicator of how emotionally vulnerable you can be in your relationship to totally eliminate a wide variety of positions because you can't in that moment look at each other in the eyes, I think is going to be pleasure reducing and make it, you're, you're eliminating a lot of um, opportunity for external clitoral stimulation, which is very pleasure enhancing for a lot of women. And, you know, another quick fix for that particular position and that particular concern is invest in some mirrors, right? You. That you can put in the bedroom. <laughs> and then you can look at your partner's face. You can look into each other's eyes through the mirror, or you can just look at the expressions of pleasure on their face. You can also look at yourself. Some people find that to be really arousing. So, you know, there's all kinds of ways. There's always, there's always a solution. There's always a solution. Yeah. You got to think outside the box a little bit. <laughs> think outside the box. <laughs> so let's talk about anal sex. This is an activity that more and more people are trying. Some people love it and some people have orgasms from anal penetration alone. But there are others who find this activity to be uncomfortable, even painful, or they just don't get much pleasure out of it. And one tip that I can share for this is that for a lot of people, they don't do any warm-up period. They just go from nothing to full penetration. But instead, if you take some time on your own, either before sex or with your partner, to loosen up a bit, whether that's with fingers or sex toys or dilators, that can make penetration during sex much easier and more comfortable and reduce the risk of pain and potential injury. So, Emily, what else would you advise when it comes to comfortable, pleasurable anal sex? Yeah, I mean, I think you hit the biggest issue for people, which is jump going too far too fast. So going from no anal play to an attempt to a penis and an anus is kind of a rookie move. I mean... First of all, I encourage everyone to get comfortable. And that may be when you're in the shower, where maybe you're sudsing up a little bit and just explore, stay on the outside even and see what that feels like. People have so many automatic negative reactions to their body parts, and that includes their anus. And so it's really important that you get comfortable with that part of your body first before you can expect to be comfortable with someone else touching you there. A lot of people don't realize how much they clench up because they're nervous that it's going to hurt or because they can't imagine, they haven't imagined maybe anything going inside. Um, And so it's really important, I think, to practice on your own 
breathing and maintaining a sense of relaxation and ultimately getting comfortable with that part of your body. And then when you're with a partner, again, start externally. There are tons of nerve endings just on the outside. Um, Anal play does not always have to include intercourse. And this is something I think a lot of people kind of forget, but sometimes just a finger on the outside during oral sex or something like that can really intensify pleasure for people. And then if you are going to experiment with penetration, like you said, go slow, start with, you know, a little bullet, or there are lots of toys out there that are stepping stones for something larger going inside. And then lastly, use all the lube. (laughs) I mean, just use all the lube. Don't be shy. Um, You're going to need that because that part of the body does not lubricate the way like a vagina does. And so you can't expect it to be very pleasurable without a lot of lube. So those are my kind of (laughs) quick tips for better anal uh, play. And I think experimenting with different types of lubes can also be helpful because some lubes last longer, some are slicker, and don't be afraid to reapply as many times as you need it. And you can also get products that will help insert the lube beforehand so that it goes deeper. So it's sort of like a lube injection, if you will. And, you know, this is actually one of the problems with anal sex when people experience pain from it is that they're only applying lube to the outside and not to the inside. And it's like, you know, the lube's got to go in. So So, you know, make sure that you're applying it correctly and, you know, experiment with different types of lubes because you might find that they interact with your body in different ways. So yeah, again, explore, experiment. So let's get a little bit kinky. So a lot of people are turned on by sexual role play, and this could involve, for example, taking on a dominant or submissive role or adopting other roles or identities or personas. And a lot of people are turned on by the idea of role play. I find that if you look at people's sexual fantasies, it's a pretty common fantasy. But many people struggle with it in real life because it doesn't feel natural to them and they get really in their head. So for people who think the idea of role play is awkward or stressful or it's just not clicking for them, how can they make it more fun and enjoyable and really get into it? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think the first thing you have to remember is if your partner says this is something that would be really exciting to them, unless you have a very good reason that it is a hell no for you, you always want to be willing to try. And you can't let feelings like awkwardness stop you. A lot of times people ask me like, how do I do X, Y, or Z without feeling awkward? And my answer to them is you don't. Um, You have to be willing to push through the awkwardness and trust that you have a partner there who's not going to laugh at you or make you feel bad because maybe you're a little bit uncomfortable. Anything that's new and you're doing for the first time is going to feel a little bit awkward. I'm sure anyone can think back to like the first sexual experience they ever had and probably they'll relate to feelings of awkwardness or insecurity or feeling unsure. And the same thing applies when we're trying anything new sexually with a partner, and that includes role play. Um, And so it may be that the first few times you do it, you giggle your way through, or maybe you have to stop and take a break. But I always encourage people not to give up the first time if it doesn't go exactly according to plan, or maybe it didn't end up being as exciting as you thought it was going to be. Anything you want to improve at, you have to practice. And that includes anything sexual. Um, Rarely is something new going to be amazing the first time you do it. It's a skill set that you have to develop like anything else. Um, 
And I'll add to role play in particular that I think so many people are guilty of reducing sex down to a function of the body and forget that sex can be a wonderful opportunity for self-expression and self-expansion. That includes tapping into different parts of our psyches and our minds and our personas. And what better way to do that than with a loving partner? Or maybe someone you don't know that well. That's fine too. But um, there's so much to be said for the meaning that we can get from a sexual experience. If you think about it a little bit more, that's something I talk a lot about in my online workshop is rather than thinking of like all the wild and crazy things you might do sexually, spend a little more time like just thinking of the meaning of the sexual experience. Do I need sex right now to, you know, release some anger and aggression and can I do that in like a, a safe, pleasurable way? Or do I need to feel like I need, I can see sex as an opportunity to heal from something? Or do I just want to play and like be silly and, you know, bring some body paint in or feel creative? I mean, there's so many things you can do through sex. It's really adult play. You know, adults forget that play is really important. I mean, we're seeing this in you know these huge Fortune 500 companies, like they're building playrooms in the offices where people work, so that they can go like you know tap into some creative, fun energy. And sex is an opportunity for adults to play and have fun too, and that includes role play. And role play can be a great way to be creative and to also explore different sides of yourself and maybe see yourself in a different way or in a different light for the first time. And if you're curious about trying role play, a piece of advice I would offer is not to like spring that on your partner at the last minute, like right before sex. <laughs> you know, This was a long time ago. I had someone a partner who had a very specific role play scenario they wanted to try. And it was just kind of like, okay, here's what I want to do. Here's your role. Here's my role and go. And I'm just like, um, this isn't going to work for me. <laughs> and that to me felt like a performance where it's like, suddenly I have to like figure everything out right in that moment. And it was just, it was too stressful. It was too much. So, you know, don't spring it on your partner. Give them some time to adjust to the idea and maybe do some practice with it. And maybe, for example, with role play, you can begin that over text. And, you know, that can reduce some of the sort of sense of pressure and it can kind of help you to get in the role a little bit, get a little bit of practice about what is your voice? How do you want to communicate? What do you want to say? And then you can take that skill once you've sort of built it up in that comfort level and apply that in the bedroom. So I think as with everything, it's all baby steps. And also with role play, using costumes and props and like really getting into it, committing, you know, can be another way of really kind of getting past some of the stress and, and awkwardness of it. Yeah. And I would add that let's say it does just not really end up going the way that you planned. That's okay. So what? I mean, then you and your partner have this shared experience that you can kind of look at each other and wink and have a good laugh about from time to time. So we really have to let go of this idea that sex has to be perfect, or if you don't hit the mark every time, that it's a bad experience or wasn't worth it. I mean, that's just a mindset thing. You can't, I, one of my first sex therapy supervisors, Ruth Sherman, always used to say, when you're making love, you can't go wrong. You know, I think, and I think that was just such a beautiful sentiment. Um, but yeah, we got to let go of some of this inhibition and, and not forget to play. 
and it's okay to laugh and have fun, right? So I, I think a lot of people just take sex very seriously. And there is that need to relax, to be in the moment, to feel the ability to express any emotions that you're feeling. And, and laughter can be one of them, right? And it can actually make the sex more fun. It can break some of the tension and it can be an intimate moment. So just have fun with it. It's play after all. So let's talk about sexual fantasies for a little bit. I see in my research that sharing and acting on sexual fantasies is linked to greater sexual and relationship satisfaction. Most people report positive experiences when they do this. And if you look at the people who report keeping passion alive in their relationships long-term, one of the key things they're doing that differentiates them from everybody else is that they're getting more in touch with their fantasies. But a lot of people really struggle when it comes to communicating a sexual fantasy and further, especially when it comes to acting on it, because a lot of people are just like, I don't even know where to start, no matter what the fantasy is, just because they don't really have a script for kind of how it should go. So do you have any tips when it comes to sharing and or acting on fantasies to make this a little easier so that people can kind of tap into those benefits? Yeah. So one thing I want to say first, if you're feeling inhibited about expressing a sexual fantasy is to remember, and I'm going to repeat what I said a little bit ago, which is that when you reduce sex down to a function of the body, you are really eliminating some of the essential elements that make human sex so unique and wonderful. And one of those is our ability to conjure these very complex mental images that are sexual and can add a lot to enhance the pleasure that we feel, whether we keep them internal and just reflect on them when, with a partner or if we express and share them. And, you know, as you found in your research, I think it was like 97% of your participants admitted to having fantasies and probably the other 3% were lying. <laughs> Did I get those numbers right, by the way? That's right. I wouldn't necessarily say the other 3% were lying. Some of them probably were, but I did get an email just this week from a listener of the podcast who said they have what's called aphantasia, where they have this inability to visualize mental imagery, whether it's sexual or otherwise. So there are some people who literally can't have sexual fantasies in the form of mental images. And that's a study we could potentially do at some point, because what are the implications of that for sexual function? I think that would be fascinating to explore. That's fair enough. So so it's it's such a common human experience, yet like many things, it's something people feel so inhibited about. So my advice to sharing a, a sexual fantasy is to write it down yourself first. Um, sometimes just seeing it in black and white. And I always encourage people to handwrite, not to type. The reason is we have evidence that suggests when we handwrite, it slows us down. It accesses a different part of the brain. It gets us more in touch with our emotions. Um, and by putting it out there, you've then externalized it, but just for yourself at that point. Once you feel comfortable with that, maybe you just hand that piece of paper over to your partner. Um, I would always encourage people to first say, hey, I have this sexual fantasy and I would love to be able to share it with you. Are you open to receiving it? Um, I think if you just put it out there without kind of preparing your partner a little bit, maybe you are at a bit of a greater risk for them kind of having a shocked look on their face or I didn't know you had those kinds of thoughts, which will make you feel judged, which is what we want to try to avoid. You may say things like, you know, I have these thoughts. It doesn't really fit with how you typically see me, but I would love to express those to you. Is that okay? So once you've sort of um, 
prepped them, then I think they're in a place to at least more neutrally receive what you have to say. Um, And then if it's something that you want to act out, just like what we were talking about with role playing, preparing ahead of time. Okay. So if we were to try this out, like, what would that look like? How would it feel to you? Are you comfortable in this role? Do you have any limitations? Like how can we collaborate to make this a fun and pleasurable experience? Um, you know, something that went up a lot during COVID were these like virtual sex parties. So like maybe someone has a sexual fantasy about group sex, but their partner is like, yeah, that's not going to happen for me anytime soon. Maybe you sort of play with it virtually for a while and see how that feels if that's a little bit safer for you. Sometimes it's just talking dirty. You know, once you share a fantasy with your partner, maybe they just say something periodically during the sexual experience that lets you know they're kind of aligned with a thought that you're probably having at that moment. So there's lots of ways to share a fantasy with a partner that can intensify the pleasure. I think that's all great advice. And when it comes to acting on fantasies, doing that research, planning ahead is really important. You know, the fantasy isn't just going to happen spontaneously. And if it does, it's probably not going to go the way that you had envisioned. So for example, if your biggest fantasy was a threesome and, you know, you and your partner are both on the same page about wanting that, but you never really discuss it. And then one night at the bar, you just kind of pick somebody up and go home with them and have it. It might turn out to be really awkward and no one gets what they want from that situation. So doing that research, planning ahead, making sure you have that really good communication is really essential when it comes to sharing and acting on sexual fantasies. And it's always, I just want to add one thing to that, Justin, because it, it kind of comes back to what we were talking about before, which is baby steps. So like for this example with the threesome, like something I advised a couple just recently was, you know, rather than jumping straight to a threesome, what if you go to a bar and if you meet someone, maybe you just kiss them at the bar and like, that's where it ends and you see how that feels. Then go home, digest what that experience was like and talk about if you want to take it further. You don't have to jump into the deep end if you don't want to. Absolutely. I think that's really important to keep in mind. Now, I know we're running short on time, but I have just one more question for you. And it's really about whether you have just another general tip that can help people in terms of how they approach sex. And so for me, one of my big tips is to be willing to step outside of your comfort zone a little bit, right? So a lot of people like to play it safe when it comes to sex. And that makes sense, right? And they know based on their previous experiences what they like, what they enjoy. And then every time they have sex, they stick within those boundaries or, or limits of their previous experiences. And the idea of stepping beyond that zone can feel a little intimidating, even scary. And, you know, unfortunately, if you never step outside of that zone, you can never tap into the real excitement that comes from trying something a little bit new, trying something that might be a little bit challenging. You know, you have to learn to embrace a little bit of discomfort to be able to step outside of that comfort zone and really explore and expand your sexuality. So I'm curious, do you have any other tips that you would share just for general mindset and the way that you approach sex so that you can maximize pleasure? Yes, I have a tip and it's probably one that isn't talked about as commonly. And that is to practice high degrees of attunement. So what does that mean? That means learning to attune to your partner's cues. That usually starts 
outside the bedroom. I think we're so distracted all the time. We're overly dependent on technology that we forget that there is so much happening energetically with our partner that we're not really paying attention to um, and thereby not attuning to. Um, Cindy Meston is doing a lot of interesting research at UT right now on like physiological synchrony and sexual satisfaction. And she's got some preliminary evidence that shows that people who are couples who are really highly attuned to one another, such that like their heart rates are almost in sync, um, have higher levels of sexual satisfaction. And I think one of the best ways to intensify pleasure during sex, you know, we talk so much about like sexual communication, but if you can get past that to where you don't have to talk as much and you can just like kind of know when your partner moves a certain way, what that's maybe signaling to you, that's really when sex can have that effortless feeling. You know, imagine a pair of ballroom dancers who've been dancing together for decades and how they seem to just move almost as one. I think that's what a lot of people want to experience during sex. And the way you get there is to pay close attention to nonverbal cues and shifts in energy and breath and the things that a lot of times we're kind of disconnected from these days. So that's one of my biggest tips. Love it. Get attuned with your partner. So thank you so much for this amazing conversation, Emily. It was a pleasure to have you here. Can you please tell my listeners where they can go to learn more about you and your work, to take your workshops and, you know, just see all the other amazing things that you're doing? Yeah, thank you. It was such a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on. So everything can be found at emilyjamia.com. You'll find my online workshop there, which is all about attunement plus how to experience flow during sex. And I'm happy to give your listeners a discount code. So if you use the code half off and you can apply that and get 50% off the workshop. Um, And then of course, I'm across all the social media channels at Dr. Emily Jamia. And I have a podcast as well. It's called Love and Libido. So anyone can go check that out too. I highly encourage you to check it out and to check out Emily's workshops. So thank you again for your time, Emily. I really appreciate having you here. Also, thank you to my listeners. To keep up with new episodes of this podcast, visit my website, sexandpsychology at sexandpsychology.com or subscribe on your favorite platform where I hope you'll take a moment to rate and review the show. You can also follow me on social media for daily sex research updates. I'm on Twitter at Justin Laymiller and Instagram at Justin J. Laymiller. Also, be sure to check out my book, Tell Me What You Want. Thanks again for listening. Until next time.